Welcome back to the Breast Cancer Podcast. Every so often, we want to introduce you to someone who has truly inspired us with their story. Today, we're going to be talking with Renee, who is accompanied by her husband, Dave. Now, in this interview, Renee drops some total truth bombs. It's advice that we've never heard before and would have been so helpful during our diagnosis. So sit back, relax while we introduce you to Renee. So Renee, perhaps let's start this conversation around when you first became aware of cancer. Was it a lump? How did this happen? I felt the lump myself. I had just come out of the shower and I was just kind of drying off, you know, and felt something. And I thought, you know, I, I don't remember that being there. And I said, I found something. I think I need to just call the doctor and I think I probably should get a mammogram. I needed a mammogram probably the spring before, but that was when the world kind of shut down because of COVID and I just put it off. And I thought over the summer, I really need to get back and do that. And, you know, it just never happened. And so went to the doctor and actually saw a nurse practitioner just at my family practice. I knew I needed to kind of start there. And she said, oh, I feel what you're feeling, you know. I'll put in an order, got a mammogram and ultrasound in the same day. And I had kind of felt early on that this probably was cancer, felt something I'd never felt before. And so I figured it's probably was not good news. When I had the ultrasound, the radiologist said, I, I feel that this is probably cancer based on what I'm seeing. Let's get some further testing done. And I had biopsy. And then, you know, that's, that's when we got the the call of, yes, this is cancer. Then they wanted to do um, imaging on the right breast. So this was in the left breast. They want to do imaging on the right and found some areas of concern. I had an MRI guided biopsy, which was that I will tell you that was when I had my first sort of emotional breakdown about having cancer was not the diagnosis, not necessarily telling friends, but the MRI experience for me was uncomfortable and you can't move. And I had muscles that were tensing up. I think it was just all of that emotion that was pent up. I just was, you know, you're trying to be so still because that's what they tell you to do. And I was just dripping tears. I did have cancer in the right breast. It was just in the cells that had not invaded, um, the rest of the breast and, and they wanted to do more, um, another MRI guided biopsy. And I said, I don't, I don't know that I want to do that again. I, I think that the best choice for us is to, to do a double mastectomy. And it turns out after doing genetics that I am BRCA1 positive. So it was kind of a no brainer that that's what I needed to do. So our listeners, of course, can't see your husband, Dave, sitting next to you. What was it like having him with you in this whole decision-making process? Every step of the way we have talked together and discussed, you know, what's the best long-term outcome. It's very easy for us to make decisions about how we feel emotionally in the moment, but we have to think about five years, 10 years, 20 years, our children. It's overwhelming making those decisions. So were you aware, you said you were BRCA positive, were you aware of any family history of that gene mutation? Well, my mother had breast cancer about 12 years ago and hers was very small. She had a lumpectomy, she had radiation, and then they didn't do the genetic testing like they're doing now. 
So I knew that there was a family history, but didn't know that she had the BRCA gene. If I had known that, I may have had scans earlier or different kind of imaging before I did. Yeah, so now I'm also taking a, um, a daily chemo med uh, for a year. I, there's been new research released. Is it olaparib? Is it olaparib? Um, yeah, limparza. Limparza. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, this is found to be beneficial in patients who have BRCA1 mutation, who have slightly residual cancer, which, you know, yours is extremely, extremely small residual cancer. So it speaks to the benefit of chemotherapy. And because it really did kill those rapidly dividing cells and most of your chemo, I mean, most of your tumor melted away. So even though the chemo was so painful for you, you responded so well to the chemotherapy. And this is a newer drug. It's very promising um, in BRCA1 patients or BRCA patients. So, but I think the thing that stands out for me, Renee and Dave, both of you guys have used humor Uh, and so positive and so inspiring and so uplifting. Usually physicians look forward to seeing patients like you. Um, It just makes our day. I think you not only make us happy, but you make everyone else around you just very inspired by how you live your journey. And I think you probably inspire so many people. So I think part of the reason we wanted to have you here is you both are just very incredible people. Like what motivates you guys? I think for me, a lot of it is probably a little bit my upbringing. My parents are both very positive individuals and my mother was in healthcare. She was a nurse and not only that, she was a psych nurse. So I think she, because of her background, she kind of always said, you know, like, all right, if you're feeling something, it's okay to feel it. You need to express it and move through it. And um, that was always modeled for me in our home. We are Christians. We believe in the Bible and we believe in Jesus. And a lot of our day-to-day living is by, you know, praying and reading the Bible. And the Bible tells us that, that God loves us. And so when I was diagnosed, my first thought was, God, I believe this is cancer. And if you choose to take my life, or if you choose to allow me to live, it does not change how good you are. And of course, I want to live. (laughs) I want to live, but I was not going to sit in a place where I kept thinking, oh, this is cancer. It's a death sentence. Um, My life is over. It's ruined me. I wanted to come from a place like, okay, this is what we're dealing with. Now, what is the next step? And I tried not to look too much beyond what was in front of me. So it was one appointment at a time, you know, getting, getting the diagnosis, going to the next doctor's visit, getting the chemo, having surgery, getting my port out, you know, all of those things along the way that are, are milestones and, you know, growing your hair back. And I, I tend to find humor in lots of different things. So I, put myself out there on social media. So from the very beginning, I put my diagnosis out there, what was next. And I knew that people would want to see, they would want to know, first of all, what had happened to me and how I was doing. And I felt the easiest way to do that was to just put myself out there on social media. So every time I had a treatment, I took a picture, I posted something And I would post pictures of my bald head and a funny little saying, like, you know, my oncologist does my hair, you know, I just, I, 
I just had fun with it. You know, what else are you going to do? You're stuck right. at home because you're having chemo treatments. Chemo, or, um, COVID is a thing and it's not going away. And so I, I quit my job. Uh, I was a preschool teacher and I, I quit my job because that was what was best for my health. And so what else did I have to do? But I could sit around and wallow in myself or I could do something positive. And that's what I wanted to do. I think that's a great display of um, a positive attitude and a, a great demonstration of that. Do you feel that there were ever times where, or maybe tell us about a time where it was hard to continue to use humor. There are, there are times when cancer does break us as, as mentally strong as we want to be. Tell me about a moment like that and how you were able to work through it. Sure. I had a couple moments. One of them was after the first treatment, chemo treatment. Um, I was scared to go back to the second one because I, I felt terrible and I was struggling a little bit to get control of the nausea. Um, and I never threw up, but it was just, I just hours and hours of feeling sick. And so I was like, just dreading going back, um, the second time, but you know, you just kind of, okay, I did it once and I survived it so I can do it again. And you just kind of like talk to yourself and you can get through this. There was another time where I had moments of insomnia, um, after treatment, I think it was, uh, from the steroids. I would just have difficulty sleeping. And one night um, I couldn't sleep. And I just kept thinking about all of the things that cancer and COVID were taking from me. I dwelt on the fact that I couldn't work. I couldn't be with my students, that I didn't feel good. I couldn't see my friends the way I wanted to. I couldn't be social. I couldn't sing at church, which I love to do. I just all night I thought about all of these things and I just cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and it was a dark moment. And I woke up the next morning and I said, those were real feelings. I had to acknowledge that I, I, I felt those things. I was mourning something and it's okay to do that. It's okay to feel sorry that you have cancer. It's okay to feel sorry that you don't have any hair and that you're feeling sick but I said, I will never waste that many hours feeling sorry for myself ever again. I said, Renee, you are, you are better than wallowing an entire night over this. And so the next morning I said, I will allow myself moments. I will not allow myself a whole day or anything to do that again. And one of the things that you know, you, you realize through your cancer experiences that your husband, your family, your friends, they are there for you as much as they can be. And they are kind and they are generous and they are supportive. But in those moments, no one is there, but you and God, no one knows what you feel in those moments, accept your maker. And there's something very comforting in that to know that that be- becomes a special relationship between you and God. And I've been trying through this whole process to just allow God to 
in those moments where I'm feeling down just to love me, just to comfort me. And that gives you enough strength, that gives you enough faith to move to the next moment. And you have a lot of moments during your, your experience. Wow. That just gave me chills. That was beautiful. And that I, was I can so beautiful. Yeah. That I think that your faith is evident and that's, what's really helped you get through in your relationship with God. And I think that's beautiful because I said before that cancer is a very lonely disease. It's very lonely because other people don't understand as much as they are there for you and know you're going through something terrible. They don't feel what you feel, but I love how you connected that with your relationship with a higher being. I think that's amazing. A great demonstration of your faith as well. How are you doing today? I'm feeling really great. I think it's eight, eight weeks since my surgery, eight weeks in surgery. This guy keeps me accountable and makes me exercise and I don't want to, every time he says it's time to exercise, I go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel great. Renee, what advice would you give newly diagnosed cancer patients? I would say know who your support system is. If you are a single person that you don't have a partner, find a good trusted friend that you know is low drama and somebody who really is invested in a friendship with you. If you have a spouse, rely on your spouse, rely on your parents, family members, but reaching out to people. I'm, I'm an extrovert. So it, it's not hard for me to say I need X, Y, Z, and here's how I'm going to get it. One of my best friends is an introvert. And so for her, to have a diagnosis like cancer or something else, she might just kind of shrink back into herself. So if you are an introvert, you still need to find at least one person that even if you don't want them to come and visit you because you feel that that's intrusive, that you still need to be able to text somebody, talk to them on the phone. That would be my advice is to just find somebody that you can talk to and share real emotions with. And if you are a person who does not have good interpersonal relationships, work on it. Mm. Because if you're not working on it and you're not putting love and something into other people, it will not come back to you because you've not invested in it and you cannot expect people to do that for you if you're not doing it for other people. That is advice I have never heard before. And you said it so beautifully. So beautifully. And it is so true. I, that never even crossed my mind, never has crossed my mind. And I'm so happy that you said that. Thank well, I, you. I think when people have a diagnosis like this, that tend to be bitter or angry mm. because of it, I think it can be because they expect people to mm. be there. They expect them to do certain things. You know, only my core friends are the ones that are coming to my home to visit me that are bringing me food. Everybody else else that's like an acquaintance or a peripheral type person, they're not going to be the ones who are showing up for you. They're not going to be, and you should not expect them to do that for you Mm -hmm. because you only have those close people that are doing that for you. So I think people can tend to get um, angry, they get bitter and they think, well, why is no one doing this? And it, maybe it's because it's something that you've not invested in. Did you learn that through cancer? Did you know that before, as far as what I to expect? You, okay, you knew it before. <laughs> I knew that before. 
So you had already managed expectations from your close friends versus the people in your peripherals, how you, how you mentioned it. I think that's really great because there can be a lot of letdown through a diagnosis. If you expect Mm -hmm. people to be there that weren't and having that core, having the people that like the ones that, you know, will be there no matter what. Those are the yeah. ones you're going to depend on for help. So, uh, Renee, I do have to ask you a question. Sometimes I feel like, so well-intentioned people, you know, you have all these friends, they want to give you advice. They want to tell you how to take care of things, or they want to tell you, this is how this person did it. That's how you should do it. Have you been overwhelmed with everyone giving their advice during this time of your diagnosis? I, I have not. Um, okay. I, I have had people say to me, oh, you know, I had a brother or not a brother, brother. Well, I guess a brother could have breast yeah. cancer, but I've had a sister or an aunt who had, you know, X, Y, Z, but nobody's saying, don't do this. You should do this. No one has done okay. that. Okay, good. But I understand that that can happen with people. I think it's, especially if you've had your own diagnosis, well, I did. So it could be even another right, person who's right. had breast cancer. Right. Well, I did this. Why aren't you doing that? Right. And I did learn through my diagnosis that I didn't realize before that there were many different types of breast cancer. And so not everyone's treatment is the same. Because I looked at somebody else saying, well, why did they only have to have four treatments and I have to have 16? Yeah. Well, yeah. we don't have the same you know, right. we don't it's have a different, the same kind of cancer. It's a different kind of cancer. And I think that's important too, because having too many people telling the news too, and then them coming, you know, texting you, calling you, they're all well intentioned. They want to help you, but sometimes right. it can be overwhelming and maybe just yes. keeping those just few people close to you or making it, you know, point contact person, like your husband or someone close to you that yes. way you're not having to, because every time you tell a person your story, you're reliving it. I, you know, I'm a yeah. breast cancer survivor, as you know, and that that was very difficult for me to keep talking about it over and over and over again to all different yes. people. So um, I have a question. So final question for you, Renee, what would you tell yourself a year ago? Wow. I hadn't thought about this one. You're enough for your husband and your children. You're enough for God. And you're strong. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about when you get diagnosis, there is an old self, you, you grieve the loss of your old self, whether it's the, your chest or your body image or what you think of yourself. You know, I started this lecture series. Um, it's called finding your new normal. The hope is that the new normal is much better than what the old normal was. Common theme that I hear amongst people who are diagnosed, where does the purpose, why did I get diagnosed with cancer? As a result of my own diagnosis, we are here today doing this podcast and same thing for Monica. And I think we go through these adversities in life and you have your anchor as your faith, but the different things that are going to transpire from this and all the people have inspired, it's just, this is just the beginning and you're going to see, you're going to do great things touch so many people and help so many people along the way. You're helping people you don't even know about. Thank you for joining us today yeah. and sharing yeah, thank your you story. For us. Yeah. yeah, I definitely know that these little nuggets of information can be very helpful for others. And that's why we do what we do is just to yeah. help our community. It's a hard thing to go through. It's hard, but on the other side of it, it's pretty remarkable to see how far we've come and the things yeah. that we've learned along the way and how we've improved yeah. as people. Thank you both so much for your time today. And, yes, you know, thank, thank you. you.
Thank you for being so honest and so vulnerable. And this is going to help so many people. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. 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 Such a great story of Renee. Renee and Dave are just wonderful. And, you know, everything about them from their faith and their relationship and how they communicated with each other um, is just all beautiful. And I think um, there's a lot of take home messages from her story. She gave me a lot to think about regarding like, even like advice for the introverts. Like you have to put out what you think you're going to get back. You can't just not do anything and expect everybody to support you. That's not how it works, but it really is. She said to work on yourself. Yeah. You have to work on yourself first. And I thought that was just an amazing message to send. I think medically speaking, I really say kudos to Renee for doing a breast exam and finding this lump. And, uh, you know, she was diagnosed during the pandemic, you know, this, it'll have been so easy to say, oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't need to worry about this mass. I'll put it off, but she didn't, she listened to herself. So I think that's really great. Um, And, you know, she's diagnosed with BRCA, which you know, less than 10% of the time we say a person can have a mutation and, you know, it's good to know your family history. Mm -hmm. And, and she even said, you know, if I had known I had was a BRCA mutation positive, my imaging would be different. So she would be getting an MRI every year, as well as a mammogram every year. So it's good to know your family history, good to know yourself and just good to listen to yourself. Absolutely. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for joining us. And until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.